Buckle Dreams podcast with Donna Cordova, asking the important questions of today's top cowboys and cowgirls about what it takes to be a winner, where their inspiration comes from, and what makes up their everyday life. So grab your gear, the shoots are loaded. The Buckle Dreams podcast starts now. The Buckle Dreams podcast is brought to you by Champions Choice Buckles. I had the honor of interviewing Rope Myers, world champion steer wrestler, and I thoroughly enjoyed this interview and um, took a lot out of it. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. I hope you guys listen and relax, and I'll see you at the end. Okay, Rope, this is a question I ask every cowboy that comes on here. If you had your preference, would you prefer straw or felt hats? I guess I would have to say a felt hat because... Uh, um, the finals are in December, and that's when the most amount of money I've ever felt it in. So. Okay, and what color? Oh, I, I kind of change all the time. Okay, so, Rope, there are many stereotypes about rodeo and the people around rodeo. What is your biggest stereotype that you would like to put to rest? You know, I suppose there's stereotypes from uh, the cowboys are just out there at a big party, and it's a... Uh, not a whole lot of real, more like a Wild West show than really what it really truly is is an athletic competition. Guys that have worked really hard at their craft and have uh, prepared really hard to keep their families and most the time what they're there for is to, to take care of their wife and kids and you know, put together a future. All right, so Rope, talk to me about failure and how you handle that on a day-to-day basis. Well, you know, when I wrote Yode full-time, the year I won the world, a world title and lots of other years that I won a lot of money, won come out second and everything else. But the best I ever did was a little over 50% of the time I placed, and that was and that was a really high actual rate for most guys that are competing. So failure is just an everyday part of, uh, of rodeo. And my dad used to say, you're either winning or your odds are getting better. So that's kind of how we always look at it. We never looked at it as uh, whether or not I won money at that rodeo or not. It was whether or not I uh, did what I could get down on the deer that I had drawn or the cat that I had drawn. Sometimes you max out on one and you do the very best you can and you don't want anything, but other times you maybe make a mistake and you still want to check. And it's important to not let the, whether you won or you lost, be the important thing because if you do, on the one that you did bad on but still want to check on, you'll, you'll look at that as success and one that you slammed even though you didn't put anything on him. You'll look at that as a failure. So try to keep it in that perspective, and then that allows you to take that attitude with you back to the practice pen and try to improve. All right, so what would you tell a rookie right now starting out at the beginning of their career? Do you have any advice? Well, you know, at our elite clinic, kind of what we do, we uh, we have a lot of guys that come to our, our clinic in December, and that from, you know, all across the sport, calf ropers, giraffes, team ropers, and breakaway ropers come, and and they come from all of the United States. And one thing we talk about in that is that uh, we have a saying that you want to be one of the five. And the idea is that there's, you know, there's 300 guys competing in, in, in an event at, at the PRCA level. And only five in every hundred make the NFR. So what keeps those other 95 guys from not being able to be there? Well, there's a small percentage of them that don't have the talent probably to be there. That's probably only, you know, 15 to 20% of them. So that still leaves 75 to 80% of the people have the a talent to be a part of those five guys that go to the finals. Um, so why are they not being successful? And it usually comes down to all the other things, whether they 
aren't able to take care of their finances, haven't really learned how to work at their craft and really be super sharp, whether they aren't doing a good job of taking care of their livestock, um, they're taking care of their business outside of rodeo, whether where they are as far as knowing who they are as a man and as a, as a competitor. Those things tend to take more people out than not having the ability to do that. So we, we really try to emphasize those things, train them, give them some instruction, help them succeed, try to help them avoid a lot of the pitfalls that they're in just life in general and rodeo in particular. And at the same time, try to get them in a place where when they do go out there, they can be successful. Okay, well, can you tell us a little bit more about these elite clinics and how someone would find out about them? Well, we have them at Sky Ranch. At Sky Ranch, we have our champions camps and our young riders camps and also our, our elite clinic. And the elite clinic is specifically designed for those kids that are, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors in, in high school, freshmen and juniors in college that have been rodeo and have had some success the high school and college level. Matter of fact, we only invite kids that have qualified for the national high school finals or the college finals or have been, you know, maybe one that's really good in the Texas or, or Oklahoma high school finals. And we invite those kids and then out of the ones that are invited, select the top 20 applicants for each event. And then those kids that, that come, you know, have great instructors that basically teach them not only how to really be successful in the arena, but there's an old saying that it's a, it's a lot harder to go from a good to great than it is to go from average to good. And so we try to take those kids and, and help them get over the top. Okay, but you also have clinics for beginners too, is that right? Absolutely. Our young riders camps, we have uh, three sessions of young riders camps each summer. Those kids come from, you know, everything from a kid that's never ridden before to kids that are you know, just starting to kids that have always wanted to do it and haven't had the opportunity. And we kind of give them a taste of, of rodeo. They they learn how to break wire rope and goat tie and run barrels and poles and, you know, kind of get them just started, get their feet wet, so to speak. Okay. And then we also have our champions camp, which is for those kids. Typically, it's junior high and high school age kids that, that uh, or kids that are going into junior high that are really – you know, they've started, they've been maybe been competing a little bit at a local level and are wanting to go and be successful from beyond there. We've been very, very blessed with, you know, having a lot of, a lot of our students go on to a lot of success. We've, I think at last count, had had 37 state champions in high school rodeo. We've had uh, college national champions. We've had, we've had uh, world champions even come through our clinics. And so... How nice. We try to keep helping, you know, those that are coming behind us to be successful. Okay. Well, we know that people think that the rodeoing lifestyle and living that lifestyle is a dream. So what is the true cost rope for you and your family of that lifestyle? Can you go into that for us? You know, I think that while our kids were really young, there was the worst negative thing in the world. They basically went with us all the time. We we kind of lived on the road together, and there's... There are a lot of great people that can meet. There is a cost, obviously. You have to be away from home a lot, and, and you kind of have to be all in. But it's also, it has its own dividends as well. God, he, he counts his wealth in people. And if you've rodeoed a long time and been around those people, there's a lot of great people and great friends that um, will be friends forever. 
you know, there's there is a, a real plus on that side of it. And growing your kids up in, in that life is is not bad. They learn a lot of responsibility. They get to taste a lot bigger world than a lot of kids do. But on the same token, once they start school and stuff, it can get hard. <laughs> and um, that's kind of what happened to me. Why I quit rodeoing as much. I mean, the last year I run at the national finals. The last year I competed full time. The last year I run at NFR, I, I won the round on. And I, you know, at times I've kind of went to quit the sum to just uh, kind of bolster my income here, but. It's, it's hard to want to be gone when, you know, you have kids. You know, I have five or four kids of my own now and another kid that lives with us. And, you know, we're, we was driving nearly as many miles as I was when I was rodeoing full time, just calling them to all their functions. So. <laughs> just chasing kids, huh? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that kind of segues into my next question because as a kid, for me, I can remember looking up to rodeo stars and always being interested in what inspirational messages they had and, and the people that they looked up to that inspired them. So can you tell us a little bit about that for you? My dad rodeoed for a living, and of course I looked up to him first off. But he also introduced me to, and I got to meet through rodeo, a lot of guys that he competed with and was friends with. And, you know, one in particular, Jimmy Cooper, really stands out. Um, you know, Dad... He traveled with that at one time and, and spent some time at our house. And, you know, I really learned a work ethic from him. He was the guy that we literally would be out there tying. Him and I would tie, be tying calves until my dad would just turn the lights out on us because we had to go to bed. So even though I, I still respected my dad, maybe I didn't listen as well as I should have. And, and having a guy like that that also speak into my life truth about the value of hard work and effort um, was also pretty inspirational. All right, so I would like to to get your opinion, Rope, about what you feel is the next step to growing the sport of rodeo. The thing that is the sport of rodeo to begin with, not to start out of the negative, but just to kind of give a little bit of background, is that rodeo has continued from basically from its onset to promote itself and to be out there the same way that you'd promote a Wild West show or, uh, for lack of a better example, a circus. And the circuses are fine. We can enjoy watching the circus once, but it doesn't have anything in it that makes you want to be a continual circus star. You may watch it every year when it comes to your town, but there's nothing about a circus that would make you want to follow it from town to town. Sure. Whereas, uh, you know, if you make it an athletic competition and, and you make not the spills and the thrills being the important part, but the competition itself, then people fall in love and they, the athletes themselves become stars and all of a sudden you can either love him or hate him but you will either cheer for or root against certain guys that because they've been given a personality and that the fans have learned who they are will begin to uh, have a rooting interest that would cause them to want to follow after it leaves their town. On top of that, you know, without having any type of team or any type of connection, there's very little bleed over. So even now, if uh, somebody does, through some connection, find a way to uh, have an athlete that they are really fond of, there's no connection that makes them say that guy's a calf roper. Has, there's no connection that makes them want to watch the bareback ride or the saddleball ride. It's still just the Wild West show to them. However, if rodeo can change those two things, and I do believe that the American was the first step in that, in that process, of making the athletes the center of attention and not the extravaganza itself, um, that 
will go a long ways to developing uh, an interest that will will basically tap into an already pretty broad fan base. Um, Rody has a very broad fan base. As a matter of fact, there's even been several different surveys where they, they looked into rodeo and the number of people that watch it and where they are and where, what part of the country they're from and, you know, and across that whole, um, the whole industry, uh, what, what does it look like? And we're very broad in the sense that there are a lot of different people that watch rodeo and that we'll see a rodeo during a year's time. But they're not necessarily very deep, whereas maybe there may not be as many different people who will watch a NASCAR event, there, everybody that watches a NASCAR event might watch 10 <laughs> NASCAR events sure. or 20. <laughs> and, that, and that depth is what sponsors are looking for more than anything else. If you're going to market to a group of people, you want to be able to make sure that that, that individual is seeing your product multiple times. And only seeing it once a year is not necessarily going to change anything for your for your business. So until we can attack those two problems, rodeo will probably stay in the place it is, kind of relegated to second class status sporting events. Now I think that it America, like I said, is a, is a real step in that direction. Now if we can figure out a way, and I think there are some people that are that are trying to do that figure out a way, tap into goodwill and the beginning that the American provided, I think that will go a long ways to, you know, starting something that could really take rodeo and uh, make it viable for the next, you know, 50 to 100 years. Well, you know, Rope, I've asked this question to quite a few cowboys so far, and and, um, I have to tell you that's probably the best answer I've gotten. They need to have you as a spokesperson. So it sounds like you put a lot of thought into this. So, you know, it's nice to know that there are people out there that are really focusing on the future. And, and some of these rodeo guys are, are wonderful, and they do have opinions about it. But um, you've actually put put down a kind of a roadmap, and that's nice to know. Well, I hope it, hope somebody with a little more money than me will maybe hear that and, and bail to it. <laughs> listen, yeah, exactly. That would be nice. So, Rope, tell me, you know, as a person that has gone to some of these bigger events, and thanks to some of your your past sponsors, you had an opportunity to see a lot of products. So, is there anything that you would recommend to people that you use daily, or or anything coming up that you've seen that that it's a it's a great product to use? Well, you know, I've been a, a Wrangler guy forever. Um, they, I was endorsed by them for a long time, so I'm a pretty big fan of Wrangler. Um, uh, as far as being endorsed, other than that, that's pretty much the only thing that, you know, I and mean, it's been a while since I've been endorsed by them, but they are still, uh, still believe in their product. So <laughs> I guess that's the first thing. We, uh, I guess it's a little bit of a personal plug, but our steer savers, our mechanical steers that we have that are a steer wrestling aid and tool, uh, for $16.75, I think that anybody wanting to steer wrestle is, uh, Silly not to have one. Most of, a lot of the, even the guys that compete uh, full time for a living own one of them um, and, and use them as, as a practicing tool just because you can just run so many, so many, so many steers in such a short period of time. And, and it can just increase your uh, learning curve because, uh, uh, you know, the problem with team roping, the difference between team roping and steer up, you can physically go out and run 250 team roping steers and it would. Absolutely kill you if you're on 250 bull lines. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. 
uh, mechanical steer really does cut down your your uh, learning time, especially when you're trying trying to uh, or, uh, change something about your stirrup. And where would someone go to find information about those? Um, they can go to my website. They can also check out there about my schools. Uh, it's ropemyers.com. And we have our regular stress that schools every Easter and Thanksgiving. So if you're not a, a young person who can come to either the Champions Camp or the Elite Clinic, they can come to our regular stress school. Okay. And we've had them every Easter and Thanksgiving since 1969. Wow. My dad started them in 1969, and uh, he turned them over to me in 1991. And so, actually, uh, this is, uh, we're, we're, We've been doing nearly nearly 50 years. <laughs> Goodness, that's, that's definitely um, something to say for sure. The Buckle Dreams podcast is brought to you by Champions Choice Buckles. So, now, Rope, this is a question I ask all my guests. is Tell us the story of when you were a kid and you won that very first buckle and what it meant to you. The very first buckle I won was in, uh, I know this is kind of crazy, but I think the very first buckle I won was was at a calf scramble. So, <laughs> when I was a little bitty kid, um, I was riding the bareback. I had a little little bitty bareback rig that Larry Mahan had given my dad, and I would strap it to some bleacher top, and I would spur the bleachers with every stroke of the guys out there riding it, you know. And, and, um, and so I, I was doing that ever since I was a little bitty kid, and. And there's actually kind of a funny picture. It used to be blown up really big in the Western store in Arkansas where I was a little kid and I'd went in. I, I always carried my rope in the, with me in the, in the calf scrambles, even though, you know, you used to used to get the ribbon off. I always carried a rope. Well, evidently at one calf scramble in, in Arkansas, I, at one of the big kids cut in front of me, so I roped him and, and jerked him down. And the, the pictures of me having having this big kid kind of tied off of the rope and he's looking back at me. So, well, I've been, we've been around. I can't really remember all of it as all of how I felt exactly when in that very first buckle, but uh, I can. There's a few I remember since then. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to mention before I ask the final question? I think that one of the coolest things that's happening in rodeo is that there's. Real, a real move of God among the competitors. There's a lot of guys that aren't, that don't just have a fire insurance faith, but have a, a, a real deep understanding of Scripture and a real intimate relationship with the Father, and really are really affecting not just the rodeo world itself, but even outside world through their influence with uh, with young people. So that's one of the things I'm most excited about about the future of rodeo. So, Ropa, as my final question today, what is your definition of greatness? Let me start that with a quote from Einstein. Since it's from Einstein, that makes it really mean something because what he said was, everybody's a genius, but if you try to make a fish play basketball, it'll only look like a fool in the, in the <laughs> you know, or I, I think he ends it with saying, like, he'll, he'll, he'll come out of the, uh, of the exercise feeling, uh, feeling that he's an idiot. <laughs> like something of those deals. I, I'm not exactly sure on the, on the way it was phrased, but that's basically the idea is that greatness is within in everybody. I truly believe that. Uh, sometimes we, through pressure and fear, settle for things that aren't where God has destined us for greatness. But if we ever find ourselves in the dead center of his will, greatness will find us. We don't have to go looking for him. You know, I've seen that so many times where 
people that feel insignificant or uncertain find themselves all of a sudden doing what God's called them to do, and all of a sudden they shine like they never have before. And I really believe that. While not everybody will be great doing something that they would maybe start out thinking is great, if they'll wait and uh, wait on the Father in that, he, uh, he'll end up taking them to something that uh, another saying that I say all the time is that if you just trust God, you'll be amazed where your feet will take you. Uh, that's been my story. I mean, I, I've done everything from your world champion, Jerry to be on a jousting show on television. <laughs> and so it's hard to tell where your feet will take you if you'll just trust the Father to lead you there. So I think there is greatness out there, and, there, and that greatness, I guess, could be, if I had to sum it up, it being this, is that if you find yourself in the center of God's will, um, greatness is not far by. Wow, that was awesome. I, I don't have anything to say after that, Rope. That was neat. Okay, well, I appreciate your time. Thank you. No problem. I meant what I said at the end of this interview. I just, I really didn't even know what to say to Rope after he shared shared his story with us. And I just wanted to say thank you. Thanks, Rope, for, for touching me with this interview. And I, and I hope it does the same for others. So if you want to get a hold of Rope, he said to contact him through his website, ropemyers.com. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, it's buckledreams.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Let people know how we are and um, pass this on to your friends so more people can be inspired and more people can, can really see that the true, true cowboys and cowgirls going down the road are really p- good people. And we need to start supporting rodeo and realizing it is the sport. And we're all good people. So God bless you and your family, and I'll see you next time. Now, being cowboys and being traditionalists, before we ever buck a horse, before we ever tie a calf, we pay tribute to the greatest country in the world. And we do that by flying the most beautiful flag that has ever flown over God's green earth, Old Glory. And tonight, as I know, as each and every one of you are going to stand, I want you to do me a special favor. I want you to take your hand and I want you to put it over your heart. Now, you feel that? That's your heartbeat. That's not just your heartbeat. That's the heartbeat of hundreds of thousands of men and women that have fought and have died so that you can live in the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. You know, as we sit here on such a great weekend and we take a look around us and we look at our families that sit next to us, whether it's our sons or our daughters or girlfriends or our wives, we think about the great things that we're going to get to do and the privileges that we have as free Americans. You know, on Valentine's Day, we're going to get to sit down and have a date with our wife or our girlfriend. And on Christmas morning, we're going to get to sit around the tree with our family and open presents. On Sunday mornings, we get to worship in the church of our choice with our family. And our kids go to school in a free country where they can grow up to be whatever they want to be. But you know what? Those things don't just happen by accident. They happen because of the sacrifice of the men and the women of our national force that don't have the same privileges that we get to going to miss out on Christmas. They're going to miss out on Valentine's Day. They're probably not going to get to walk their kids to the bus for the first day of school like we would. But you know what? They make a sacrifice for us so that we never again have to fight in the United States of America. And even though some people forget about the sacrifices that they make, we don't. We in the cowboy business don't forget about what it takes to be free Americans. And for that, we support our men and women that are overseas fighting for our freedom. 
So I'm going to ask you tonight, how many of you are proud to be Americans and how many of you are proud of the red, white, and blue? Now, one of the greatest freedoms that we share is our freedom of religion. Would you please join me in a word of prayer? Our gracious and heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this beautiful day that you have given us. We want to thank you for our cowboys, our cowgirls, our livestock, and especially our fans. We want to thank you for your sacrifice that you made to give us a chance to go to heaven. Father, we ask tonight that you watch over this arena and you watch over each and every one of us on our travels home as well. And Father, tonight we say a special prayer for our leaders in Washington and especially for our brave men and women that are overseas fighting for our freedom. And it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen.